25, 30 women all weekend, bless God. If I just, <laughs> I just show up, that's all y'all need right now, amen? Well, goodness, that's upside down. Uh, turn if you would, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 5 is where we are this morning. I've, uh, I've got a little eye problem. Uh, I had it uh, just yesterday, and uh, it's not pink eye. It's not a sty. I'm, I'm praying it's a rising. I, I've just, but I tried to do what you do to a rising. It didn't work. It only hurts uh, when I breathe. So it, it's no big problem, but I'll, I'll breathe quick, and we'll get through this fast in a hurry today. Uh, but I, I, I praise the Lord. We had a great time with the ladies, uh, and I know everyone did. Uh, man, just a powerful time there, and I praise the Lord for that. And, and then the college, uh, 412, had a wonderful retreat this week. Heard great, great things there. And then the ladies, uh, Broken Bow, are, are they even back? They're having such a good time, they just stayed over, amen? Maybe they're listening this morning, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I wouldn't put no money on it. Second Kings chapter five, <laughs> beginning in verse one. Amen. <laughs> Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, "Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and an honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper." And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel, and he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so, when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came unto his, with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go, wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Naaman was wroth, went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand, and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Are not Avana and far, far rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. 
His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith thee, go wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came, stood before him, and he said, Behold, now I know, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed and uplifted. I pray your spirit would continue to move in this place. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that's in this place today. Lord, I pray that we would consider what you've called us to do and ask us to do. And we would do what you say do. Lord, from the youngest member to the oldest member in this place, may we be obedient to you this day. I pray you'd cleanse me, that nothing would be said that doesn't honor and glorify you. Help me not to mess this service up. But Lord, you lift it up, and you encourage people. You speak to hearts. And Lord, when we leave this place, we'll gather and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. My wife says that I'm crazy. I, I'm a thinker. I, I, my, I go to bed at night. My wheels are turning. I get up in the morning. My wheels are turning. I, I dream. I tell our church staff here, I'm the dreamer. Y'all are the ones who make it possible. Uh, I'll dream all day and all night long. And uh, we have a great staff that makes it possible. The wheels are always turning, though. I just believe if you're going to do something, you ought to give it your very best. If it's not worth giving your best for, then I don't even think you ought to be doing it. I mean, because you're going to have to come back and do it again anyway. When all the smoke cleared, I, I, I love being around people. Uh, man, this COVID mess has dealt a number on us. I love eating with people and fellowshipping with people. and I love chewing the fat. I love praying with people. I love visiting with people. But when, when all the smoke clears, there's really only two things in this life that I think are really worth, worth waiting on. And that is God and people. Nothing else really matters. God and people. Now, before you say, well, uh, you know, what about the talents, these musicians, all that? Hey, I'm not saying that those things are not important. Talents and job and ministry and uh, personality, all those things are important. But all of those things ought to lead us to love God more. And in loving God more, we ought to be loving people more. I mean, it's going to be impossible to love God and not love people. I mean, if you're sitting here saying, well, I love God, but there's some people I just can't stand. You need to be the first one at the altar today then. Because you ain't right. You ain't right. I, I, uh, I love to preach. I don't have to preach. I get to preach. People are always telling me, you're not going to be able to hold up. You're not going to be able to hold up. Well, I'll hold up till I drop dead. I'll just tell you, I love to preach. I've preached three times this morning. I'm going to preach this afternoon. I'm going to preach Wednesday morning. I'm going to preach Wednesday night. I'm going to preach Thursday morning. I'm going to preach Thursday night. And I've got another preacher in there Sunday, Tuesday morning I'm going to preach at. And I love to preach. I love that. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, 
I, I get to be pastor. I don't have to be pastor. I, you know, I'm old enough to walk off and leave this thing uh, and live on $200 a month. I, you know, I, <laughs> I get up in the morning thinking, Lord, maybe you could do this for this family. Or maybe you could do this for this Sunday school class or life group class. Or maybe you could do this for, for the church. Or it, you see, I just think dreams and passion and love are what's important in this world. And I, loving God, loving people. I think the Gaithers wrote a song about that. Loving God. Mm. If loving God and loving people are the two most important things, then would it not behoove us as a church and as ministers to teach people how to love God? You say, oh, no, the most important thing is discipleship. Everybody's got a most important thing. Let me just tell you this. If you love God, discipleship will fall into place. You love God, nobody's going to have to beat you on the head to study the Word of God. You want to study it. The ones we're beating over the head are the ones that well, anyway, I won't say that. John uh, in 15 verse uh, 5 says it like this. Jesus is speaking. He said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And then he tags this on there. For without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. There's absolutely nothing you can do. Now, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I tell you, I've lived long enough to understand this, that in this Satan-oriented, immoral, uh, fleshly world that we live in today, the only thing that we're going to be able to do or go is to do and go through Jesus Christ because we can't do it ourselves. We're not strong enough. I'm convinced this morning that he's not a God, he's the God. He is the God. And I believe more sure than the Russians are going to invade the Ukraine, I believe more sure than that, that that's the number one thing you're going to face in these days ahead. Because the devil, if he came here into America and said, y'all need to wipe God off the face of the earth and serve this God, most of us, I pray, would stand up and say, oh, no, we're not. No, we're not. He knows that. So you know what he does? God, Jehovah's a good God. But here's some other gods. I mean, you know, we can slip these in here, too. We're nothing against Jehovah God, but let's slip these other gods in here, too. Hey, there's nothing against the Word of God, but we got a book that's a little bit updated. No, there's one God, and there's one book. Nothing else. And you're going to face that in the days ahead because of the society we live in and the way things are going in our world today. Many are facing it right here, right now. This book is God-breathed. It's inspired. It's preserved. It's penetrating. It's pure. It's tried. It's prophetic. It's, it's precious. It'll never be wiped out. Because God wrote it, and he promised he'd preserve it. We're living in a world of foolish people today. One of the hardest things to do as a, as a pastor or a church staff member is trying to help people who want to get help other than God's way. I want help, 
but I don't want to do what God says do. I want help. Now, what we have here in the chapter 5 is a big, big dilemma, big problem. Nathan is prosperous. He is prestigious. He's powerful. He's, he's prominent. But you see, there, there's one little word in there. I mean, when you come up to me and you say, Brother Charles, I just want to tell you right now, I really love you, but. When you say but, you just wiped out everything you said up to then. Amen? I mean, he, here he is. He's a man of valor, and he's a mighty man, and he's been uh, given deliverance over Syria there, but he was a leper. And that's a pretty big but. When you talk about being a leper, you, you, you can hug your children. You couldn't sleep with your wife at night. You had to announce before you were coming to somebody, unclean, unclean, I'm a leper. He's got a big problem. You know what that, you know what that shows me? Real problems don't just happen to poor people. They happen to rich people too. <laughs> Real problems don't just show up with uneducated people. They show up to educated people too. Real problems don't just show up with the homeless people. They show up with people who own one, two, or three homes. Real problems don't just show up in foreign countries. They show up in America, too. Real problems don't just show up in Baptist churches. They show up in every church. Because the devil is always at work. He got a big problem. <laughs> but in the midst of the big problem, there's an amazing providence here. Praise the Lord, our God is sovereign. And he has He sent a little maid. Do you think this maid is happy over here in Syria? Uh-uh. No. She wanted to go back to Samaria. That's where her parents were. That's where her life was. That's where her family was. That's where her God's house was there. And they captured her, brought her as a slave to Syria. She's got a personal problem of her own. And yet, she's going through a trial so that this man, Naaman, can go through a triumph. <laughs> wow, the providence of God. I, I want to tell you, God is not an actor in the play. He's not a producer. God is the director. He's sitting on the throne making sure every... Has it ever occurred to you that it's never occurred to God? Huh? God has never got up in the morning and said, Oh my, I didn't know that was going to happen. That gun, they pulled a fast one on me down there at Woodland Hills. I didn't know that was going to happen. He's the one that makes sure everything... When you come and you say, Preacher, I don't like my job. Well, maybe God's got you there to be a witness for somebody that needs to be saved. I talked with a pastor's wife yesterday, and she said her husband had open-heart surgery, and he's in the hospital. He's, she said, he don't like being in the hospital. I said, I don't either. But maybe there's a nurse there that needs an encouragement. Maybe there's somebody there that needs to see Jesus on them. He says, I don't like being broke. Well, maybe God's trying to teach us something about stewardship. I don't like being sick. But maybe you've got a neighbor that needs to see a real Christian react to sickness. 
See, if we react the same way the world reacts, then why in the world would anybody want what we've got? I mean, if you go into a rage every time something happens, mm, I'll just, let me just get a little close to your business. That's why a lot of folk can't witness to their neighbors because they've acted like a fool already. And you need to go make some amends and some apologies there and all, and then, uh, then maybe God could use you to win that neighbor. You say, well, I'm not going to do that. So your neighbor is worth going to hell so you can be okay. Mm. Then, then I look at the treatment. <laughs> Nobody listens to a maid. She's a maid to Naaman's wife. She's a slave girl. She came from another country. She said, I would to God. He was over in my country in Israel. There's a man over there who could recover him from leprosy. And they went in and told uh, the master that and told the king that, and the king said, hey, let him go. I'll send a letter. All because of, listen, <clears throat> I can't prove this, but you'd have to just understand. Common sense. I mean, let's just think common. This little girl must have been living for Jesus on steroids. For somebody to believe a little slave girl and they're going to send millions of dollars over there in silver and gold and raiment and going to go over to Israel <laughs> I love it one king talking to another king they don't know what to do Somebody better hold my mule. Because see, when that king don't know what to do and this king don't know what to do, there's another king up there that knows what to do. He's sitting on the throne. And when Elijah hears that the king of Israel done tore his clothes open and everything, he said, hey, send him on over to my pad. I'll take care of him. Send him over here. You got to be careful, guys and ladies, it's the old saying, my mama used to tell me this a hundred times a month, I think. Be careful who you step on on the way up. You may pass them on the way down. <laughs> Here old Naaman is, the one who had gone over there and captured this little maiden, now is back where this little maiden lives. Wow. When a dignitary comes, we don't have very many of them come. Y'all are all dignitaries. But I mean, when a real big shot comes, I mean, we're going we're gonna to say, would y'all move off that front seat? And let that guy sit right there. We're going to make sure that he's got a water if he needs one. We're going to make sure there's toilet paper in the stalls in there. I mean, we don't want him to come and not be taken care of. Amen. And so here's this big shot, valor, prominent, prestigious, powerful. And he rides his chariot up to Elijah's house. And you would think Elijah would at least blow a trumpet or strike up the band or do something. Maybe throw a few roses down as he's walking in. He don't even come to the door. He sends his servant to the door. <laughs> Ah, and then he said, you go dump 
dunk in the Jordan River seven times. That don't sound good. It's not very popular. It didn't seem right. But you see, it was the word of the Lord. In, in the Old Testament here, the prophet was considered the man who spoke for God. Remember, we don't have the complete Bible back here. We don't have the Holy Spirit indwelt in each person back here. So the prophet, when he spoke, he was speaking for God. And Naaman says in the Scripture, I'll take care of him that the world may know that there is a prophet in Israel. There's somebody who's connected to God in Israel that can show us what to do. Hmm. I find that many Christians believe the Word of God and they think it's reliable. And if I ask you, you'd all say, Amen. They believe it until they face problems. And then suddenly they're trying to work them out. I, I got to move on. Let, let, let me get to the reaction because <laughs> it's, it's really good. The Bible uses the word wroth. That means he was torqued up. He's mad. He leaves in a rage. He said, go do what? The Jordan River? If this word is so reliable, let me ask you something. Why do people, when they hear it, get mad? I'm not talking about people in the world. I'm talking about people in the church. If this is the Word of God and it's reliable and we can, we can believe it and we can live by it and we can, and we can serve by it, then why is it that when God's Word says something we don't like, we get all mad and wroth? Mm. I, I, l l listen to what Naaman said. Naaman was wroth, went away, and said, Behold, I thought. See, that's his first mistake. It's our mistake, too. Don't be thinking about what God ought to do. I mean, I'm thinking, Nathan is saying, hey, uh, I thought uh, that, that you'd probably strike up a band and there'd be an organ playing in the background and you would lay hands over me and say, Nathan, do you want to be healed? Nathan, do you want to be healed? He didn't do any of that. Sent his servant out there. You don't do this here, but there are pastors I've talked to. People come and preach, I need help. I'm struggling. I'm broke. I'm losing. Pastor, get me out of this mess. I, I'm pregnant. I'm hurting. I'm depressed. And that pastor says, well, let me go to the medicine cabinet, get out my prescription book. And, and, and they say, well, well, wait a minute, pastor. I, I haven't told you everything that was wrong with me. Oh, you don't need to. We got one pill for everything. It's the Word of God. That's the only pill you need. <laughs> Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How's he going to do it? By taking heed according to thy word. That's it. You say, yeah, but preacher, I've got a different. No, 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 no. 
Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? He's not talking about a specific way. He's talking about any way. You got a problem with homosexuality? You're going to have to go to the Word to get it. Or you ain't going to get it. You got a problem with lying? You got a problem with drugs? You got a problem with alcohol? You got a problem with your mother-in-law? Hey, it doesn't make any difference what it is. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Whatever you need to cleanse you this morning, you do it through the Word of God. That's what the Scripture says. And you look at that couple and you say, what's wrong with you? I'm trying to help you. I'm writing down this prescription of what you need to do. Well, I, I, I thought you'd just uh, <clears throat> write a check. I know you did. You thought I'd write a check so that you could go on living like you want to live, and then next month we'll meet at the same time with the same problem. Well... Let me give you the, uh, that's not the last one. It's getting close. Privileged attitude. Do you know there are people in this world that think they're entitled? I know that comes as a shock. They, they think they're somebody. They strut sitting down. I mean, they are entitled. They're, they're somebody. But here's the problem. Naaman, you get mad all you want to, but if you're going to walk and leave away, you're still going to have leprosy, Bubba. He was wroth. Well, from Syria, where I come from, we've got clear, clean rivers. We don't use spas in Syria. We have the Abana, and we have the Farfar. Last time I was in... Israel, I thought, I, I, I think I'm going to let them baptize me in the Jordan. I got down there at the Jordan River, and I thought, I ain't getting in that filthy water. That's the filthiest water. I mean, it looked rough. He sent his servant. He didn't come himself. Now he's got the nerve to tell me to go dip in a dirty, filthy river? Hey, here's the bottom line. Naaman. You got leprosy, Bubba. It don't matter if the river's clean or not. You got leprosy. Let it sink in. You got leprosy. And of course, leprosy represents sin. And I would just tell you this morning, well, my sin's not as bad. I don't care what your sin is. The sin uh, is unbelief. And until you come the way God says come, you'll never be saved. You say, well, I'm not going to do that. Well, then you're going to walk out of here lost, and you're going to go to hell. That's what the Word says. Well, there's some tough love going on. My goodness. Don't we need tough love today? It is very hard. And I know this is going out, and there's going to be people here this that, that know exactly what I'm talking about. It is very hard today to distinguish between mercy and judgment. I mean, everybody wants mercy, but it's hard to distinguish. I had a guy, he's a pastor, got problems, wants to pray that his problems will be solved. I can't pray that. The guy embezzled money from a church and shut it down. 
I don't think he needs mercy. I think God's brought him judgment. And I don't need to be circumventing what God is doing in his judgment and call it mercy. Preacher, you're just hard-hearted. No, just get with the word of God. If a guy says, I've done this, and, and it's, it's no doubt. I'm just telling you, it is no doubt. Signed papers saying they've done it. And we're going to pay it back. Never paid a dime back. Now, when you pay it back, then maybe I can pray for mercy. See, you've got to be careful here in America, too. We, we love America, and we want this country, but I want to tell you, America's murdered more than 65 million babies. It's kind of hard to dis, distinguish between mercy and judgment because judgment's going to come. If, I think it's probably already come. They say, look, Naaman, we've heard you complain about this leprosy, itching and scratching you can't hug your kids. You can't go to bed with your wife at night. You're sick and tired of all this. And now you've met a man who says he can recover the leprosy from you and he wants you to duck seven times. If he wanted you to climb Mount Everest, you'd set out climbing it, some big thing. But all he asked you to do was go to the Jordan River and wash seven times. And you're going to start off, a storm off. Now, this is probably where men come to the place where they don't speak. They just grumble, mumble. <laughs> Thank God for people who have tough love. Some of us have tough loves just sitting right next to us while we're driving. <laughs> you missed that turn. I didn't mean to turn there. I wanted to go this way. Well, we're waiting. <laughs> Listen, you can't just do what the Lord says. Listen to me. You can't just do what the Lord says. You got to do it how he says do it. How many people have come up to Calvary and, and gotten there and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for my sin and everything, but I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to change my life. I'm going to give a lot of money to the church and I'm going to be a good man and I'm going to be moral and you're going to be in hell because that's, that's what God said do, but that's not how God said do it. In fact, I believe the Word of God says that God says come like a little child. I've heard people, well, when I, when I know more about the Word and when I'm able to explain this, no, you won't ever do it. A little child can't do that. You come by faith. Well, I'm going to go to church, but I ain't listening. Dip seven times. Let me close. He got a glorious miracle here. <laughs> he finally did it, what, how God said do it. Can you imagine he went out one time, two times, three times, four times. I imagine about that fourth time he looked over on the bank and said, I told you all it wasn't going to work. This river is filthy. This is the most stupid thing I've ever done in my life. Go ahead and dunk some more. I believe that if he'd have walked off on the sixth dunk, he'd have walked off with his leprosy. 
Do you know some of y'all here today, you've walked off on that sixth walk, sixth dunk, and you're still involved in the sin, you're still involved in the lack of relationship with the Lord because you refuse to do it the way God said do it. He got a miracle. You're not going to know God until you obey God. People want help, but they want help the way they want it to do, the way they want it. You say, preacher, how can you make that statement? Because I'm that way. I go to God and I say, God, this is what I want you to do. Line it out, one by one. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot on your mind. Let me go ahead and help you here, God. You'll do this, 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 and this will work out great. We'll be able to move on. That's not what God said, do. You come with an open heart. You have an open relationship with God. God says, do something, you do it. We learned last week that uh, blessings come after obedience. When you're obedient to God, then God can bless you. But as long as you're not doing what God said do, there's no way God can bless you. I'm trying to help you here. And then behind all of that, you say, preacher, you don't understand. I've had this problem for 30 years. Yeah. And all the time, God's got a little maiden back there in the background working. Nobody even knows her name. She's responsible for getting Naaman cleared of his leprosy, and her name's not even listed in the Bible. When we cry out to God and we're in a desperate need, we either got to take him at his word or not. But there's no middle ground. You say, well, I'm going to do part. No, partial obedience is still disobedience. When we come to God with a desperate need and God lines it out and says, this is what I want you to do. You know in your heart this is what you need to do. But you say, God, here's you either take God at his word or you say, no, I'm not going to do it. You know the difference that separates the sinner from eternal life in Jesus Christ? Is a willingness to do things God's way. Just do it God's way. It's God's will, none perish, but all come to life. That's the will of God. When we become willing to come the way God's laid out for us, we're going to receive. You know why Naaman was changed? He was changed because he did it God's way. That's why he was changed. If he hadn't have done it the way God said do it, he wouldn't have been changed. He did it God's way. Maybe this morning you're here and you need to be saved. And you've got 15 different reasons why you're going to do it this way. Throw all that away. Would you just listen to the Holy Spirit of God? Would you just say, God, you show me what you want me to do? He'll show you. Maybe you're here this morning, though, and, you know, you've come to the point in your life where you're, where you're serving God, but truth is you're not having near as much fun today as you were five, ten years ago. Mm. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, God, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. 
Maybe you're here today, though, and, and you, you've been faithful, and man, there was a time when this church depended on you, but as we've grown, instead of building up the workforce and having more servants for the Lord, you just kind of slipped out and not doing anything anymore. And you need to leave here and get on the altar, and then you need to leave here and go sign up for one of those ministry teams. God forbid that you be saved and not serve the Lord. See, when you're a Christian, the way you get joy is by serving the Lord. That's where the joy comes. The joy of the Lord. Hmm. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home. No better one anywhere. I'm not telling you we're perfect. Those of you who are not perfect, would you raise your hand? Amen. You see the problem we've got around here? But I tell you what, thank God for the blood that covers a multitude of sin. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to have your way in this service. Lord, uh, I, I, I don't feel like I've done it justice, but I pray your Holy Spirit would make up the difference. That, Lord, you would bring people to a saving knowledge, that you would bring others to the altar, that, Lord, they'd not hesitate, but, God, it would be a time when people want to get their hearts right with you. And they want to follow you. Lord, I shudder to think, I shudder to think of how many miracles I've missed in my life because I didn't do things the way you said do them. I almost did, but I didn't do it completely. And I missed the miracle. God, we need some miracles today. We need, we need you to make yourself known. We're going to praise you and thank you for what you're going to do. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? As Brother Aaron leads us. You come.